Chapter 11 Little Meg's Baby The new year came, but Meg's father had not arrived. Kitty was having a mad outburst, as if she had so long controlled herself that it was now necessary to break out into extra wickedness. She came home late every night, very drunk, and shouting loud snatches of songs which wakened up the inmates of the lower stories and drew down upon her a storm of oaths. But she continued always good-natured and kind to Meg, and insists upon having the daily charge of Robin and the baby, though Meg left them in her care with a very troubled and anxious spirit. Things were looking very dark to the poor little woman, but she kept up a braver heart as she could, waiting from day to day for that long-deferred coming of her father, in which she so firmly believed. It was a little later than usual one evening, because the days were creeping out since the new year, when Meg climbed wearily upstairs to Kitty's attic in search of her children, but she found that they were not there. Mr. Grigg told her that he had seen Kitty take them out with her in the afternoon, and even while he was speaking, Meg saw her staggering and rolling into the court, with the baby fast asleep in her drunken arms. Meg took it away from her without a word, and led Robin away upstairs. Robin's face was flushed, and his hand was very hot, but the baby lay in her arms heavily without any movement or sign of life, except the breath that came through her parted lips, and her eyelids stirred a little. Meg locked the door of her attic and laid her baby on the bed, and she lighted the fire and got their tea ready. Robin looked strange, but he chatted away without ceasing while he watched her set the things in readiness. But the baby wouldn't wake. It lay quite still on Meg's lap. She poured a little warm tea into its mouth, but it didn't swallow it. It only slept there with a heavy eyelid, moving neither finger nor foot, in a strange, profound slumber. It was smaller and thinner than when Mother died, thought Meg. She lifted up the lifeless little hand to her lips, half hoping that the eyes would unclose a little more, and the sweet loving smile, which was always welcome to return, and would brighten its languid face. But the baby was too sound asleep to smile. Little Meg sat up all night with the baby lying in her lap, moaning a little now and then, as its slumbers grew more broken, but never lifting up its eyelids to look into her face and know it. When the morning came, it was still the same. Could the baby be ill? asked Meg herself. It didn't seem to be in any pain. Yet she carried it to the door and called softly for Kitty to come and look at it. But there was no reply. Only from below came harsh sounds of children screaming and angry women quarrelling. Oaths and threats and shrieks were all the answer that Meg's feeble cry received. She sat down again on her mother's low chair before the fire and made the baby comfortable on her lap, while Robin stood at her knee looking down pitifully at the tiny, haggard, sleeping face which Meg's little hand could almost cover. What would she do? There was no one in Angel Court whom she dared to call for help, and Baby might even die, 
like the great number of babies born in that place whose brief lives ended quickly as if existence was too terrible a thing in the midst of such din and squalor. At the thought that perhaps baby was going to die, two or three tears of extreme anguish rolled down little Meg's cheeks and fell upon the baby's face, but she could not cry aloud or weep many tears. She felt herself falling into a stupor of grief and despair when Robin laid his hand upon her arm. "'Why don't you ask God to waken baby?' he asked. "'I don't know whether it would be a good thing,' she said. "'Mother said she'd asked him over and over to let her take baby along with her, "'and that would be better than staying here. "'I wish we could all go to heaven. "'Only I don't know whatever father would do if he comes home and found us all dead.' "'Maybe God'll take me and baby,' said Robin thoughtfully, "'and leave you to watch for father.' "'I only wish baby had called me Meg once afore she went,' cried Meg. "'The baby stirred a little upon her knees "'and stretched out its feeble limbs, looking up its blue eyes "'and looking into her face with a sweet smile of welcome. "'And then the eyelids closed again, "'and the small features put on a look of heavenly calm and rest. "'Meg and Robin gazed at the change wondrously without speaking.' But when, after a few minutes, Meg laid her hand gently upon the smooth little forehead, the same chill struck to her heart as when she touched her mother's dead face. It didn't seem possible to little Meg that baby could really be dead. She chafed its puny limbs, as she'd seen her mother do, and walked up and down the room, singing to it, now loudly and now softly, but... No change came upon it. No warmth returned to its death-cold frame. No life to its calm face. She laid it down at length upon the bed and crossed its thin wee arms upon its breast and then, stretching herself beside it with her face hidden from the light, little Meg gave herself up to a passion of sorrow. If only I'd asked God... "'For Christ's sake,' she cried to herself. "'Maybe he'd have let baby wake, though I don't know whether... "'I don't know whether it's a good thing. "'Now she's gone to be with mother, and father will be home, "'and he'll find nobody but me and Robbie, and the money safe. "'Oh, I wish I'd asked God.' "'Meg,' said Robin, after she'd worn herself out with sobs and tears, "'and was lying silently beside the baby.' "'I'm very poorly. "'I think I'll go to live with the angels "'where mother and baby are gone.' "'Meg started up and gazed anxiously at Robin. "'His bright eyes were dimmed "'and his face was flushed and heavy. "'He was stretched on the floor near the fire "'in a little listless attitude "'and didn't care to move "'when she knelt down beside him "'and put her arm under his head. "'It ached,' he said, "'and it felt burning hot to her touch.' Meg's heart stood still for a moment, and then she dropped her tear-stained, sorrowful face upon her hands. "'Pray, God,' she cried, "'don't take Robbie away from me as well as Baby. Maybe it wasn't a good thing for Baby to stay. Now Mother's dead, though I've done everything I think I could have done. There's nobody now to take care of us but you, God. 
but pray God, do let Robbie stay with me till Father comes home, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Meg rose from her knees and lifted up Robin as gently as she could, soothing him and talking fondly to him as she took off his clothes. And then, when that was finished, she laid him on the same bed where the baby was sleeping, its long last sleep, with its tiny face still wearing an unspeakable calm. For Robin's little mattress had been sold some time ago, and the day was just at an end, that sorrowful day, and a lingering light from the west entered through the attic window and lit up the white, peaceful features with the flushed and drowsy face of Robin beside it. Meg felt as if her heart would surely break as she stooped over them and kissed them both, her lips growing cold as they touched baby's smiling mouth. Then drawing her old shawl over her head, she locked the attic door, and Meg then needed securely behind her as she ran as fast as her feet could carry her to Mrs. Blossom's house. "'Robbie's very ill,' gasped Meg, breathing breathlessly as she burst into the shop, the shutters of which were already put up, though it was still early in the night. "'And I want a doctor for him. Where shall I find a doctor?' Mrs. Blossom had her bonnet and coke on, and looked very pale and flurried. When she answered Meg, she kept her hand pressed against her heart. "'I'm just a-going for one,' she said. "'The best at this end of London, Dr. Christie. You'd better come along with me. He knows me well. Meg, I've seen somebody go by today, as was like Posy, only pale and thin, but when I ran out she was gone like a shadow.' "'I'm a-going to tell Dr. Crispy. "'He knows all about Posy and me.' "'But Meg scarcely heard what Mrs. Blossom said. "'All her thoughts and her interest centred in Robin. "'She felt impatient of the slow progress of her companion. "'They seemed to her to be going a long, long way, "'and they came to better streets and larger houses, "'and by and by they saw a carriage standing before a door, "'and a gentleman came out and got into it hurriedly.' "'Why, bless me!' exclaimed Mrs. Blossom. "'There's Dr. Christie. Stop him, Meg. Stop him!' Meg needed no urging, but rushed blindly across the street. There was all at once a strange confusion about her, a trampling of horses' feet, a rattling of wheels, and a sudden terror, and a pain in herself, and then she knew no more. All was as nothing to her. Baby and Robin alone in the attic— and Mrs. Blossom and Posy were all gone out of her mind at her memory. She had thrown herself before the horses' heads, and they had trampled her down under their feet. When little Meg came to herself again, it was broad daylight. She was lying in a room so bright and cheerful that she could neither imagine where she was nor how she came there. There was a good fire crackling noisily in the low grate, with a brass guard before it, and over the chimney-piece was a pretty picture of angels flying upwards with a child in their arms. All around the walls there hung other pictures of birds and flowers, coloured gaily and glittering in a gilded frame. Another little bed, like the one that she lay, stood opposite in the corner, but there was nobody in it, and the place was very quiet. She lay quite still with a dreamy thought that she was somehow in heaven, until she heard a pleasant voice speaking in the next room, the door of which was open so that the words came readily to her ears. 
"'I only wish we knew where the poor thing comes from,' said the voice. "'Well, I'm vexed I don't,' answered Mrs. Blossom. "'I've asked her more than once, and she's always said it's down the street off Rosemary Lane, "'and along another street, and up a court. "'But there's a girl called Kitty living in a back attic "'that takes care of the children when Meg's away. "'She's sure to be taking care of them now.' "'In an instant memory came back to little Meg.' She recoiled bending over Robin and the baby to kiss them before she came away, locking the door safely upon them. Oh, what had become of Robbie in the night? She raised herself up in bed and uttered a bitter cry which brought her quickly to Mrs. Blossom and the strange lady. I want Robbie, she cried. I must get up and go to him directly. It's my Robbie that's ill and baby's dead. I'm not ill, but Robbie's ill. If he isn't dead like baby before now... "'Please, please, let me get up.' "'Tell me all about it,' said Mrs. Blossom, "'sitting down on the bed and taking Meg into her arms. "'We're in Dr. Christie's house now. "'He'll go and see Robbie in a minute,' he says. "'Baby died yesterday morning,' answered Meg, "'with tearless eyes, for her trouble was too great for tears. "'And then Robbie was took ill, and I put them both in bed, "'and I've kissed them, and I've locked the door, "'and I came away for a doctor, "'and there's been nobody to take care of them all night. "'Only God!' Meg's eyes burned no longer, but filled with tears, "'as she thought of God, "'and she laid her head upon Mrs. Blossom's shoulder, "'and she wept aloud. "'God has taken care of them,' said Mrs. Christie, "'but she could say no more.' "'And where do they live, dearie?' asked Mrs. Blossom. "'It's at Angel Court,' answered Meg. "'But there mustn't be nobody go without me. "'Please let me get up. I'm not ill.' "'Well, you're very much bruised and hurt, my poor child,' said Mrs. Christie. "'I must go,' pleaded Meg urgently. "'I must get up. I promised Mother I'd never let anybody go into our room, "'and they mustn't go without me. They're my children, please.' "'If your little children were ill, you'd go to them, wouldn't you? "'Let me get up this minute.' "'It was impossible to withstand little Meg's earnestness, "'and Mrs. Blossom dressed her tenderly, "'though Meg could not quite keep back the groan "'which rose to her quivering lips "'when her bruised arm was moved. "'A cab was called, and then Mrs. Blossom and Meg "'and Dr. Christie got into it "'and drove away quickly to Angel Court.'